Welcome to Leverage Masters, airing weekly on Tuesdays at 12 Eastern and on demand on iTunes and Blog Talk Radio. Leverage Masters hosts Jack Humphrey and Gina Gaudio Graves discuss leverage strategy with guest leveragists. Be sure to subscribe to Leverage Masters in your favorite podcatcher for great tips and case studies on using leverage to achieve your biggest goals much faster. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Leverage Masters. I'm your co-host, Gina Gaudio-Graves, the co-founder of TheLeverages.com and Divizio.com, the all-new affiliate network for people doing good. We have got a great show lined up for you guys today. We have my co-host and co-founder in The Leverages and Divizio, Jack Humphrey, joining us. Hello, Jack. Hello, hello, hello. I just got done listening to the Nerdist, so I am all ready to podcast today, like all professionals. That's awesome. (laughs) And I have got a great guest lined up for us. I knew you'd be excited to see who it was. I am. We have, it's been a long time. I'm going to brag about you a little bit, and then we'll just get going. So today's guest is Efat Cohen, and she is known as the go, uh, the G Plus Go To Gal, for years and years from the very, very beginning of uh, of G Plus, where she cracked the code on monetizing attention and conversion rates of 15 to 40 percent without affiliates, ad buys, or complicated marketing tactics. And she gets more engagement on her G Plus content than people with millions of followers, four times as much engagement on her Hangouts as Guy Kawasaki and Gary Vaynerchuk combined. That is some street cred right there. Uh, She has also flown all over the world to speak for Google at their global events and is known as a growth hacker specializing in community building, gamifying live engagements, and cultivating brand evangelists. Thanks for being here today. And Wow, it's been a long time since we've talked. I know. I didn't even realize you were the co-host. So, hey, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm the one that does all the talking around here. I I let Gina talk a little bit, but not much. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) How are you doing? Good. Well, we're going to just, even though we're old fast friends and we're going to do a lot of catching up today, I'm going to start you off just like any old regular guest, which you are not any old regular guest, and say and and ask you the big question, which is, what is it right now that gets you out of bed with a fire burning in your belly these days? Ooh. What are you excited Ooh. about? Oh, I'm excited about finally putting all these years into a very very simple system called from conversations to conversions, and uh, with the goal of changing the way marketing is done online by getting more personal. Uh, so I'm excited about spreading that and amplifying the reach of that. That little system. Awesome. Well, I mean, more personal. Maybe we should just start right there and, and get personal about personal. Isn't it already too personal? Is there a backlash against the personal <laughs> nowadays? I mean, you know, sometimes I feel like, man, could you just step back, get out of my face a little bit, social media? <laughs> but I guess <laughs> it's still, you know, marketing-wise, I know you're coming from a certain context, so maybe you want to explain that a little bit more. 
Yeah, so, um, you know, there's so much research um, that shows how social media is actually hurting us and depressing us, right? And so it's not really personal. And uh, yeah. the latest I've heard is that, did you know that loneliness kills more people than obesity? Oof. Let that wow, maybe those things. things aren't really mutually exclusive either. <laughs> How yeah. it does is the bad, the bad thing that people use to get over loneliness, I think. <laughs> exactly. And so you go to social media, right, and you don't really have any real friends over there. And all you see is, like, how well everybody else is doing while you're in your, you know, little muddy boat trying to get out of it. And uh, hmm. there's no one to really talk to about the stuff that you truly care about, that you're passionate about. Um, so it just goes deeper and deeper and deeper. And the challenge is, is like, you know, I was just thinking about it today. If uh, someone was asking, let's say that Ford, right? If you ask people what they wanted, they would say faster horses. So, like, all these surveys and all these emails and all that stuff, you know, it's not really actually getting to the core of what people need. Um, and what they need is they need, you know, someone to geek out with, someone that cares about the same stuff they care about and that they can ring up and talk to face-to-face, not in, you know, I'm commenting and hopefully someone's going to comment back, and really build, like, this intimate relationship with people that, you know, that they can connect to. So you, me, and Gina, we connect over, you know, technology and geekiness. Without social media, we would have never met each other, but we would have not connected if we didn't have anything in common. So there's so many people that care about so many things, but they just don't know who else cares about that stuff. It is kind of strange with all the connectivity that we have through uh, social media and, and, and other channels, how disconnected everything still feels to a lot of people. You hear about it a lot, and you see it a lot, and you experience it a lot. It's like, wow, we have more communication channels open now in, than any time in human history. And if you – I was just thinking this morning, like, I hang out on Facebook probably more than anybody should. And um, I see, uh, and this could be for any network, but, you know, the big general social networks are big general places unless you do a good job of curating your timeline. And most people don't do that. And I have a pretty diverse timeline. I follow a lot of different things for business, for personal, like everybody else does. But I've really worked hard to try to curate it as well so that it's not – just a big screaming mess. And, right. and when I was listening to the Nerdist this morning, I was thinking, wait a minute, people do pull over to the side of the information highway and, and go to a nice quiet rest stop. And that's what I consider like podcasts and where, you know, you're not up close and personal with the person exactly, but you are definitely out of that giant stream of information that you find on the great big networks, right? That just everything Mm -hmm. can fly at you. You're in a very concentrated place with a guest who is there for, uh, you know, with a certain amount of, or certain kind of experience you want to learn more about, or like it was Mark Hamill today was on, and I'm like, oh man, I'm geeking out on my Star Wars stuff and everything. (laughs) And I really felt like I was in a little private pocket of the web where 
people who were listening with me, even though none of them were here in the room with me while I was working, they're all, we're all on the same track and we're all thinking about the same thing and geeking out. Maybe some of us are on social commenting while the show's going on or sharing it like I did on Facebook to try to pull people off that super highway, that, that fire hose of information that, that is a big social network, and over to the side like where I was. Like, I'm having a good time. I want to share this, spread it around. So maybe some other people will have as good a time as me in a quiet place where we're just focused on one thing. What, what kind of uh, feedback do you have for things like that? Am I on the right track? Is that part of what you teach people in building real, uh, more personal relationships? You nailed it. Um, and I think, you know, people are looking more for a connection than content. And you just, you, you just nailed it. You felt connected, you know, to people on the same topic. And how wonderful would it be if there was a next step and you could actually jump in and talk to the guy, right? Or the next step, how wonderful will it be if you have a space where you connected to all the people who are listening and you can discuss it, all the ideas that came up from listening, um, from listening to the guy. I, I forgot his name. <laughs> but... Um, Right, so like you have a little pocket. I'm a big Walking Dead fan, so he does the. He's the host of Talking Dead after Walking Dead every uh, season. So this is this is his nerdish show. (laughs) Yeah, it's a huge thing now, right? Oh yeah. And and so I mean, he's one of those people. You know, you could probably do a case study on him in light of what you're doing right now. uh, In that. He's an example of one of these lightning rods. I don't know what – you'd probably come up with a better way to what, what you'd categorize him, but you can reach him in so many different ways. Now, he's a big, mega star, so it's not like you're going to be talking to him, but you, like you said, that second tier of people that you can talk to who are fans of his, and he does so many things. He's a game show host. He's a podcaster. He's a radio broadcaster. He does the talking dead. He does the – Fear of the Talking Dead, fear, you know, all this different stuff. He's huge. He's kind of like a Ryan Seacrest, a younger Ryan Seacrest. And, mm-hmm. um, and he has completely used the web in the way that, you know, I think would be maybe ideal. It, it, it's up to you. I, I'm not sure. You're the expert, but I think he's doing it really, really well. He's easy to find on everybody's favorite channel. You know, he podcasts mm-hmm. and he's on Google Play. Uh, podcasts, and I'm sure he's on uh, all the other podcast channels, but he also takes his podcast over to YouTube and puts mm-hmm. it there. There's no video. He just puts up his you know, thing, and you can listen to it there. And he's really always been very, very good at that. Um, so accessibility is really the first thing, right, at least on the channels that are important to you, if not like him, who's a mega broadcaster on about every channel that there is out there. It, that's that's got to be one of the places to start, isn't it? Well, yeah, and you know he, what you mentioned. You mentioned something that he does that's really awesome. He's basically repurposing his content. He's taking his podcast and he's just uploading it into YouTube, and he's taking the same like he does the content once, right? And he's using mm-hmm. it all over to like be all over. So he's kind of cut, cutting down on the amount of effort, and he's more able to engage with people. Um, yeah. Let's take it back to, because I think your audience, and correct me if I'm wrong, they're very interested in monetizing and how do I take all that content and my audience and connect with them and make money and all that stuff. So, they're right? very interested in that. Yes, this is a perfect direction. <laughs> so, so if I ask you, like, uh, if, would you pay $47, $97 a month to be able to jump on a you know, face-to-face conversation with a guy twice a week or once a week, would you do that? 
Depends on the guy, but yeah. No, that guy. I forget his name. Tell me. Oh, that name guy? Name. Heck yes. yeah. Yeah, that would be a that would be yeah, perfect, sure. There you go. So that that's the reaction you want your list and your audience and your followers to have when you when you go like, hey, $97 a month and you can talk to me, you know, twice a week and I'll help you do whatever, right? Then yeah. that's you want your audience to be like, heck yeah. <laughs> Where take my money? Where do I sign up? <laughs> right? Exactly. With uh, with and no question that about happens the price. because of a connection, right? <laughs> with that? Yeah, with no, with not even a, a a second thought about the price. Exactly, and that happens because not because he was selling you anything. He wasn't selling you anything. It's because you feel connected to him, his message, his the topic. You geek out with him. You value him as a person, right? You uh, you just want to, you know, have a conversation <laughs> and see how else, where else you can take that. And so that's where, that's where I think a lot of people are missing out with the email list that they have or with their followers and all that stuff. It's like, you know, they're stuck in this content generation machine and then there's no, they're missing this personal connection with people. And technology today makes it free, easy, and available. Well, it's so hard to, when you're starting out or, or not, I mean, it's not even, us veterans sometimes find it to be a lot of work uh, to get that audience. And then you get it, and it's like, wait, i got to keep getting it. If I stop getting it, if I stop promoting, things tend to slow down. I've, got to, I've, I've given everybody this expectation that I put this kind of content out on this kind of schedule. i got to keep that up. And I find that I don't have any time or energy left over for what was I doing this for? Like, how, and am I best monetizing this? Is my idea in the beginning the same and as good an idea now that I'm seeing the audience react to my stuff, or should I tweak it? But I don't have time for that. I've got to go write another article or do another podcast. And, you know, it's kind of like that cycle. How do you help people through stuff like that? Um, it's actually it's very easy. So, uh, and I love that you brought it up. So first of all, I know we probably everybody agrees that it's a lot more expensive to uh, acquire a customer than to retain one and get referrals, right? So you already have a list. You already have the followers. You spent like a billion <laughs> hours and tons of money of acquiring your customers. Now, if you, you know that, uh, that story of a thousand true fans, right? Yeah. You know that one? So all you need, oh, yeah. a, hundred, a, thousand, a thousand true fans who spend $100 a year and you have a six-figure income, right? That's all you need. So you got a thousand people and all they spend is they bought one time $100 and you have $100,000 by the end of the year. But it doesn't have to stop there because if they love you and they're true fans, they're going to spread um, your information just like you're doing with the guy that I still don't know his name. <laughs> so you're watching that dude. <laughs> <laughs> walking Dead dude nope. is fine. Chris Hardwick, Walking Dead dude, game show guy, whatever. <laughs> yeah, but just like that, right? His fans are spreading the message. They're doing all the marketing work, and because his fans are spread, spreading the message, then he doesn't have to worry about distribution. And he takes his content, and he does it one time, and then he repurposes it. He puts it on YouTube. He puts it as a podcast. He does, you know, conversations. Um, so in, for us, small business owners, what we can do is we can do, use technology, use Hangouts, use Facebook Live. I'm a fan of Hangouts, as you know, uh, because Hangouts can be syndicated across the web as it happens. And so you are everywhere, even though you're doing one thing. 
and then you have your audio, mm-hmm. your video, your transcript, all that stuff. And if it's user-generated content, if the Hangout is not like broadcasting you talking at the world, but if you actually let your audience come in, teach them something, and answer their questions live, help them by helping them, then you have user-generated content, then you have um, yourself, your training, you have your memes, your audios, all that stuff. Do that once a week, you got content forever. Do it 10 days in a row, like what I'm teaching, and you have specific content that turns into a funnel because it's on a specific topic that you can use for months to come. Um, and actually, one of my clients, we, we use that uh, specific thing as a community. She, in a community, you have, you know, a lot of people feel like they need to gener- constantly generate content. And there's no content generated at all. Once a week, she jumps on a hangout with the community. Of course, we gamified it, and I'll talk about it in a second. But um, the retention, guess how long? It's a fitness community, weight loss community. How long do you think people have stayed in our community up until now? So the average is the same I would say a long time. four months, right? With us? Yeah, that, yeah, then they leave, yeah. Right? So for her, the clients are now almost two years. Wow. Holy crap. That's I wow. know, in a fitness community, <laughs> in a weight loss community. Wow. And because well, they that's, don't that's, even... That's pretty incredible. Fitness. I've never heard of that before. <laughs> I would never dream that there would be a retention like that. Yeah, and so and the reason why it's the same reason why Blab has failed. Uh, remember Blab? Yes. Yeah. I remember so Joel was Calm always talking about Blab, rather. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Inc. Magazine wrote, "This is the you know move over Periscope Hangout Meerkat because Blab is in the house. This is the big you know the next big thing. All the marketers are on it. You should go there." A year later, they closed it, um, and the owner wrote that the reason why is because people came there to make friends and not to make content. And Blab wanted content. So those who came to make content spend like two hours a week on it. Those who came to make friends spend five to six hours every day. So what we created for my clients with the, with the fitness community is we created a space where they can come in and make friends for five, six hours every day and get results around a specific topic and get support because that's what people want. They want a connection. And when they found their tribe, they just stay. And they got results. So you see, of course, everybody comes in to lose weight, and you see how um, people are losing weight live on video. Nobody can fake it. It's not edited. <laughs> you know, you see people changing mm-hmm. week after week. Um, but that's, that was the, you know, that's the game changer. The game changer is that we have all this content but not connection. And that's what your audience wants. So if they're on your mailing list, they probably want a connection with you. And how can you get more connected in face-to-face conversations? It, it's, it's, uh, it's really hard to put into words how, how I'm thinking about it right now, but I'll try. It's, we, we learn the techniques and we learn strategy and we, okay, I've got I've to produce this content and I've got to go do this. And it's like off of a list of things that need to be done. And I've watched so many countless people over the years, even well before social media, do that kind of laundry list stuff where they're not really truly marketing and they're certainly not making a connection. And they invariably come back and say, but I did all of this work and I produced all this content and I don't, nobody's responding. There's no list. There's no, eh. 
and and it was the connection part in the beginning, wasn't it? I mean, it was that you know you can't just broadcast to a mm-hmm. bunch of people who don't know you, and you don't give them very much reason to get involved or engaged with you. Because while your article might be really great, nobody's articles are bad. When they work really hard on them, their their content, their their podcast content, whatever it is, is really good. So you look at that and it's like, gosh, I don't know why you're not successful. But I do. I think it's your connection message that you're bringing to us today. And then mm-hmm. you can put all that out, but if you don't have that crucial element, what are some of those points? I mean, it's not just enough to say, or is it, enough to say that, you know, you, you make yourself available, um, there's really a quality to the content, or not to the content, but to you, to you, to your message, to what you're trying to do, um, that either makes or breaks whether or not someone is going to choose to be engaged with you, isn't there? Yeah, so the way that I run Conversation to Conversions, and I've run it many times, and it's been extremely successful, um, one of my clients got $250,000 in 10 days from a completely dead list that was hit with the same offer for three years and never bought. Um, the guy is a copywriter, like one of the best copywriters in the world, so you can tell there's no problem for him to create copy that converts, and still he has a big list that never took action. Uh, and when we connected with the audience and they, get, they got the experience of like, oh my God, I can actually do this. I'm, I'm going to go on a different round for a second. <laughs> The, the challenge with all that stuff, with all the content, with all the information on the web, is not that it's not good. It's that it's, we don't learn this way. Everything that you know, Jack, that you've gathered throughout the years, right? If you put all that information online in little tidbits, right? Like you created um, a video series and an article and a PDF and worksheets and all that stuff, you know that nobody's going to take action on it. It's free, it's available, it's out there, but nobody's going to do anything with it, right? Um, right? And the reason why we're not is because we don't learn that way. We learn from teaching, from discussing, and teaching others, and demonstration, like actually hands-on work. And all that information is, that's out there right now is not helping us put everything in personal context. So, um, so for example, if I wanted to go and you know, create a WordPress website, and I would read like the top 10 plugins that work with something. Well, I don't need the top 10. I need the one that works with my system right now. And if I don't know what that one is and I don't know who I can go and ask, then I'm stuck, right? And even if I took a course and I'm watching a video and I'm like, yeah, but I have this. Or yeah, but it's not working for me. Or yeah, but like look what happens. If I don't have anyone to show that to or talk to, then I'm stuck and I, you know, I'm not going to finish it. And that's exactly what happened. And then if, you, if I'm on your list and you keep sending me this, like, look, Ifat, I just used this and I made a million dollars. And look at this, I just had another success. And look at this, I had another thing. Here, you do that. And I never get those successes. By the end of, you know, after four or five of these, I don't think you suck. I think I suck. I think something is really fundamentally yeah. wrong with me because obviously you do that. And I've tried to do it and I can't do it. So why would I ever go and buy another product that, you know, obviously... I'm a failure. Let me go, you know, flip burgers because I'm better at that, right? And the problem with all the people on your list is that that's how they feel. They've tried to implement your $7 product and your $29 product and your $47 product, and they never saw results. And so why would they buy your $997 product? So why would they go to an event? They suck. And so 
my system, basically what it does, it's like for 10 days, you, they're with you there, face-to-face, learning from you and getting the experience that they can actually achieve whatever they came to achieve. And now it makes sense because they know, like, and trust you. They know you can take them there. They know they can get there with your health. And it's a no-brainer to move to the next step. And my clients have seen, you know, cold traffic coming in, buying $2,500 products, buying $15,000 um, self, you know, um, done for you packages. Uh, one of them had 40% conversion on a list because for the first time in anyone's life, the guru that you came to talk to, you know, to learn from got off the podium, looked over your shoulder and said, oh, here's how you need to do this. And you got the results that you wanted. And now you have the confidence in yourself and in the guru that you can get there. And that's the whole difference. So you're talking about in person? Uh, uh, you just said something about, was that literal or figurative that you said the no, guru is over your shoulder? We have hangouts. So with hangouts, I can really look over your shoulder and see exactly what you're doing. You can share your screen, right? I can see you face to face. I can show you my notebook. I can show you my devices. I can show you what I'm working on. Hangouts made the world, what do you call it, flat <laughs> or removed borders or <laughs> something, right? But it's like it's all accessible. Yeah. You don't really need to travel in order to, uh, to connect with people. Yeah. Well, it bears, you know, because we, we move on so quickly. Like you are one of the very few people that I know that knew the value going in, and then as we were, you know, all learning about Google Plus and Hangouts and things like that, but really, really got it. And so many others were so quick to abandon it. The first thing that I knew about that was that they didn't know very much about it. They never did. And they really were easily hyped away from it, like, "Uh uh-oh, look at Facebook's numbers, they're going up. And again, it's that, like, it's that thin film that's between people who are doing big and good things and people who don't ever seem to get it, who are jumping from one place to another without realizing that it's just a phone. The Internet is just a really, really, really <laughs> fancy phone with video. And yeah. nobody ever goes, you know what, I'm tired of this pink phone. I, I, just, I don't think that people are going to listen to me on this pink phone, so I'm going to switch to a red phone. Well, what a stupid thing. You would never, ever do that. It, it's immaterial what color the phone is. And really what we're talking about, I think, is what different channels are just different colors. They're just different you know, devices where you can make that connection. And what, again, I'll, I'm helping you reiterate your point, I think, it's that, it's that connection, right? That yeah. if, you're, if you're making it, you can make things happen. If you're not, you will never, ever make anything happen. And the platform has nothing to do with it at that point. Because if there's no connection, there's no sale. And I can go back through my stats for all of these years and tell you unequivocally, with, with no problem, I make better sales when I have some kind of a connection factor um, than when I follow those. And I have, and I've taught people how to get a $47 product together and put it up on ClickBank or uh, you know, somewhere else and, um, and then do some advertising and sell it. And then, mm-hmm. then I sell my next product on how to create a back end because you're never going to make anything, you know, really huge happen for yourself with just the 47. And, and all of that was just re- regular old training. And in some respects, it works pretty well, or it used to. I don't think it does anymore at all. But <laughs> it used to work really well without that connection thing. 
But then the first person like you came around and started making connections with people, and that's what people began to crave because, they, because you taught them it was possible to, to be able to you know, have a more meaningful, the way that they like to learn, the way that they need to learn and actually retain and be helped. I'm not buying a $47 ebook. I mean, what if I have a question right in the middle of it? I can't answer, and there's nowhere to go. You know, exactly. and that's often the exactly. case in a forty-seven dollar ebook. Exactly, and you know what's sad? What's sad is that um, people are slaving themselves. Like, I don't know how educated or uh, your audience is about the marketing funnel, but all the faces of like the free, then the uh, yeah, you know, you get the email, then you go to the seven and forty-seven, blah, 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 and then the fifth stage is like, okay, let me sell you my high-ticket item, and then let me try to retain you. And the problem is that by the time you get to the fifth one, you're broke, frustrated, sick, right? You spend so much time and effort on creating all this content. And not only are you not getting paid for that content, because information is free, Google killed that, right? Google and YouTube, they basically go like, whatever you want to learn, just Google it. That's why that's yeah. the answer to almost every question, right? Um, and you know, like the other day, I saw someone actually put in on a, on a blog post the entire content marketing strategy with downloadable, then, you know, um, PDFs and all the information like here, just fill in here what you need to do and like very detailed. Four, it had four comments. When I shared it, nobody even plus one it. Nobody cared on Facebook. And I'm like, wow, how much time does that person, you know, try to distill yeah. all their information in something actionable that people can actually, you know, improve their business and nobody cares. Like, cause, you know, it's all, it's, it's all out there. What you do care about is what are your friends in WhatsApp are saying about whatever it is that they're saying, right? Um, yeah. What, uh, what, what your friends are talking about in their private circles. And that's all you care about, what the chat conversations that are happening that are not on social. So for you as a marketer, if you can be that person that when a group of people on WhatsApp goes like, hey, do you need a marketer? And they go like, oh, yeah, call it fast. If you can be that person, then you don't need all that content marketing thing. Right? Yeah. Then you get the referrals. And, and how would people refer you? Because you've helped them. And how do you help them? By helping them, <laughs> you know, get up your podium, create a little bit of an experience that they can actually experience themselves getting success, um, use that content and repurpose that content, and now you've freed your time from all that content creation. You build meaningful relationship. And the last thing that I haven't touched on is gamification. Use gamification to really amplify your reach and have your audience share your message with their audience just for the, you know, for for the chance to talk to you first, for the chance to get a, a little bit of a discount on the product that you're going to sell at the end, or just the recognition. People want to be recognized publicly online, like, hey, today's winner is Ifat. Yay, look at her. She's so awesome. Tomorrow you can be that person. So just for that, people, you know, just want to be known and, and, um, and accepted, right? It's like, what is it, the significance yeah. thing that Tony Robbins is talking about? So you don't have to do much to make people feel really, really great. And all you have to do is really recognize them and talk to them and, and help them. And it's super easy when you put that into a little system that eventually sells your high-end product. And why sell high-end products and not $7 products? Because only with your high-end products, A, you will be giving them results, and B, it will be worth your time to invest in them getting results. 
And after they get results, they'll come back and tell their friends um, about the awesome results that you got. And they'll, you know, your business will grow. And that's what's happening with uh, the last guy that I took a course with, uh, Russ Rafino. Do you know him? Yes. So Russ does that. The Russ program is basically an eight-week program. And the real value in it is that he's there three times a week, and he's looking at your whatever, you know, your stuff, and he's giving you feedback. And if you're stuck, he has someone helping you with your Facebook ads, like looking specifically at what's going on there. And that's why people, A, get results and very happy to pay his high ticket prices. So he doesn't have yeah. to do any of that content marketing stuff. Nothing. <laughs> All he does is focus on serving the clients that you got. Oh, I remember uh, one of his first most um, famous pitches for content marketing was the, the opposite of what everybody thinks of content marketing. He says, I have one piece of content and then I market it, and then I don't stop marketing it until everybody in the world that's, uh, that it was designed for has seen it multiple times. And I was like, wow, he's still calling that content marketing, but everybody else in the world thinks content marketing is publish or perish and just constant grind. And, and, uh, and I was just like, wow, it was one excellent piece of content. It was, a, it was a, um, just one page of his site. And it was really, really valuable. And people loved it so much, it created that reaction that you want. You mentioned something earlier. I think there's two main keywords so far today that I've picked out. Of course, connection is one. But to help further define connection, at least to, to what it means to me, is you also talked about giving people an experience. So connection and experience, that what people are looking for. Because a lot of people, if you just say connection by itself, it, it – it bears further description. Like, what do you mean, connection? And I think it helps to say, well, give people an experience. They, and there's a difference between somebody reading something, watching something, listening to something, and experiencing those things, like feeling yeah. like you just did something. And it, it has a whole different feel in your body and your mind after you've experienced something meaningful, moving, informative, entertaining, or whatever it might be, than it, it was to... I was sitting down and reading something and learning something, Ugh. you know, and I think you've really <laughs> hit the nail yeah. on the head with those, with those concepts. I, you know, I think this is why uh, live events are still a big deal. Uh, I just went to a live event in New York. Uh, one of my clients, uh, um, Martin Lindstrom, who's a New York Times bestselling guy, 100 most influential people in the world. He was talking on the stage and he got me a ticket. It's a $3,000 ticket. And I'm going to the event in New York, and Jack, I'm, I swear, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, why am I here? All, all, <laughs> all you see is, like, the people on stages, you don't get to talk to them. There's no networking with the people sitting right next to you. Um, so I could have just sat at home and watched it on YouTube. Why am I flying all the way here, not just me, like the entire room, right? Flying from all over, getting hotels, uh, taking time away from, from your family, from your work, from everything to come and see someone talk on stage the same way that you saw him on YouTube. And I think it's just the experience. It's just the taking time away, you know, disconnecting, having a little bit of a vacation or something, um, and getting an experience that is outside your computer or your phone or something like that. I think it can be a lot better. Um, but, and I think you could bring those experiences online 
there's no reason why you can't have a face-to-face experience or, you know, or like um, uh, entertaining experience, a great conversation like you and I are having right now, um, not just with the speaker, but with everybody who's coming in to listen, right? So um, there's a great analogy. It's the difference between a recipe book and a cooking class where if you take a recipe, you know, you can maybe (laughs) make the same dish as a master chef does, but probably you're not. And if you take a class, then you're not going to be the master chef, but you're going to have the experience and the skills, and you'll be able to improvise when you go to your own kitchen, because in a class, A, you have the instructor looking over your shoulder. You have everybody else, like you're seeing what everybody else is seeing. you got real-life um, you know, faulty ovens and bad knives and like the spices are nothing. And so you get like a real life experience uh, in a cooking class. Yeah. And what all of us are doing in content marketing, we're just writing recipe books that nobody wants to buy. <laughs> right? And we're like, that is a really awesome good way to look at it. It's a, yeah. And I even, I, I had a dog cookbook where you would uh, get recipes uh, for baking treats and, and actual dog food and everything for your dog. And, and it was a book with recipes in it. And I went straight to the crowd who are addicted to cookbooks. I found out about cookbook addictions through my friend Willie Crawford many, many years ago about people who collect cookbooks for some reason. That, I mean, they'll have walls and walls and shelves and shelves of them. And a cookbook is just full of recipes. And yep. then I would find that I, I'd find out how often those people cook and there was a direct correlation to the number of cookbooks that you had and the time that you had in the kitchen versus somebody who really loves to cook and is in the kitchen all the time and the number of cookbooks they have. And guess who has more cookbooks? (laughs) The guy who never gets into the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, the guy who never does anything. So it's also the guy who's never going to be a good testimonial for you, the guy who's never going to have an experience that's going to be able to come back and say, Man, Yvette really knows her stuff because I did it, and I did it. If you sold him a mm-hmm. cookbook and he's a cookbook collector, he's never going to come back to you with that, and that's not good for business if you were able exactly. to sell him a, a plain recipe in the first place. Exactly, and, and you know, if you look at even like uh, uh, Martha Stewart or Julius Child, they both took their cookbooks twice and turned them into an experience, a TV show. So you can't really um, yeah. get leave a legacy or become super rich if all you do is just trying to compile all your recipes into a book and sell that book. A, because nobody's expecting to pay for books anymore. You just Google, can you give me a recipe for chili? <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. So they're not expecting to pay for that. And, um, and so you're not going to make money. You're going to spend all your time writing that stuff. And because, they, like you just said, they'll never get the experience of actually being in the kitchen They'll never come back and be like, oh, my God, can you give me another cookbook? <laughs> can you give me another recipe? Yeah. That was so awesome. Can I get another? <laughs> it's, it's really funny uh, that we it, – it, it's good that we're having this conversation, but isn't it a little strange that we're having it still in 2017? Like, do you sometimes yeah. wake up and go, why do I have to teach people this? It's like – it should be obvious to everybody, even if you're a complete rank amateur, based on simply being a consumer on the other side and knowing what you like, right? After all this time and after all these really neat apps and all these different channels for communication have popped up, 
a lot of people are a lot more experienced than they would ever let on just because they were consumers. And you could go back through your purchase history and go, what made it for me? What did it for me? Well, every time I, I got an experience or had a connection, I mean, everybody listening right now, uh, think back through the list of things that you've bought in the last year and then attach the words experience and connection to them and find out what the correlation is because it's certainly there of the things that you bought when you really felt something, when the person who sold it to you moved you in a way that uh, somebody could never do with a billboard or an ad or a, you know, uh, something happened. And it was, it's a chemical mm-hmm. thing. Gina talks about that, uh, the sales process from a biological and chemical uh, thing, the stuff that fires off in your brain, the chemicals that fire up. When a connection is made, when an experience is being had and it's a, it's a delightful one that the person welcomes, Man, when you've got that, you, whatever you're selling at that moment is going to sell because that is the completed equation. That's the whole process, right? Yeah, and we have uh, we have great examples of that of um, you know Apple, Zappos. We have what I call the charismatic business because charisma is inspiring devotion, and we have those, right? That's why we have the commercial between like a Mac and a PC. Are you a PC? Like people take the identity of, of the thing, right? I'm a Mac person. Um, and, and that's just, you know, this product, it was funny cause I was at a South by Southwest, uh, talk last year and before they showed a little video, they're like, who here, uh, uses an Android. And I was in the first row and I got, you know, I was the only one. I raised my hand and I looked back, nobody, everybody's using Apple. And first mm-hmm. of all, I'm Israeli. So I got up and I'm like, what's wrong with you people? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but then they showed this video, um, you know, like those animated dolls that uh, they talk about like, hey, do you have an iPhone? And the salesperson goes like, no, uh, but I have this great LG. And he's like, no, I want an iPhone. He's like, yeah, but the LG's battery life uh, is longer. I want an iPhone, but the screen here is bigger. I want an iPhone, but it's half the price. I want an iPhone. Like, it doesn't matter what the iPhone is, right? Yeah. Um, I want an iPhone because, like you said, there's an identity. There's a connection with the brand, and it doesn't matter what they come out with. They're going to take the jack, the, the headphone jack off. You're still going to get an iPhone. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, 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 they do everything they can to make you not want one. <laughs> but yeah, damn it, my, my whole identity like, no. is tied up in it, and I have to have it. I'll even take these yeah, stupid choices with headphone jacks and everything else. Yeah, and, and, and why? It's because they did such a great job to make you think that Apple, everything is connected. It's connected to your iTunes. It's connected to your uh, calendar. Yeah, Google too. And Google is free, <laughs> you know? But Google doesn't go around explaining how everything is connected in their little sphere. So everybody thinks, no, Google, that's complicated. Apple, everything is connected. All I do is connect it to my computer. Um, but that's the thing, right? And now it's like go change the mindset or the belief or the feeling when they have like this, you know, highfalutin, extra, super shiny little device in your pocket. You can, right? Yeah. They're, they're connected. And, but that's a connection. That's an emotional connection that has been made between a client, like a, you know, a devoted buyer and a product and a brand. And the sucky part is like most of us don't have Apple brain, Apple money um, to advertise and take the time that it takes to create those types of fans and like devotion in, in clients. So what can we do? We can just connect with them. And it doesn't have to take all day long. It's actually going to take you less time to connect with people than to create content and hopefully someone comments on it. 
Yeah. Well, and then there's also, uh, as far as the building of that audience, maybe some people listening are, are still going, well, this is great. Once I have an audience that's big enough to begin connecting to, uh, you know, and make it worthwhile, my list is bigger than 100 or whatever, um, uh, it, it's about getting more getting more of those things. And it's like, can't you, do you ever talk to people about attaching to experience? Like you would do really well if you were in a room full of Apple users and you had a product that was coming out that would put um, the headphone jack back on. Like you didn't create Apple, but you can, you can, you can, you can attach yourself to that identity that they have. And it's like anything or, or a case that does something amazing. No case is done. You didn't make the phone. So, like, do you talk to people about that when they're wanting to build their audience that you, I know, don't tell them, well, start from scratch and work your way all the way up. Don't use leverage or anything else. You know, how do, how do you talk people through that as they're, uh, they, they've got the connection experience thing down and now they want to go and, um, and go as high up on the ladder as they possibly can to get as much exposure as they possibly can while they have this new idea of how they're going to deliver and give people those experiences well one of the the great ways is um again i'm going to go back to hangouts <laughs> because that's uh that's how i started and built my reputation and my connections and even google noticed that they start flying me around so i think that's uh has been proven but what's really great is like if you're in the realtor business right what if you interview uh mortgage planners you're not competing but you're in the same niche and you're basically getting their audience to come and talk to you and give their audience something that they cannot give them. So in every niche, there is some, some parallel industries that you can benefit and support, right? And so if you go out and be like, okay, who am I? Um, who are my supporting people? Like for me, I'm like, who can help my clients build an email list? I don't want to do that. Who does it really, really well that I can refer those people there? And once they're done with building their mailing list, you're going to send them back to me because now they have a list and on the next step. So if you're looking at your own, um, in your own sphere, who are the people that you go out and, and get support from? How about you support them, their people and build a list for that? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, of course. Uh, great leverage tactics there. You know, I, I want to do an aside. I have to because it's bugging me. You mentioned earlier, and, you, and you're the person to ask. You're the person that I know that is best suited to answer this, maybe from just your perspective, because you are, you are totally a Google geek, right? I mean, you would assign that to yourself. <laughs> and you know people at Google, and you have been flown around. I mean, you've had special access that most nobody else you know, really gets. And so when you were saying about how Apple takes the time to tell people how things are connected and how things work, and then in our world, in the Google world, we just figure it out. And, yeah. uh, like, sometimes that really works well for Google. Like, when I figure out that something is connected and does something really cool, when I'm already thinking in my brain, oh, man, it's never going to do this, holy crap, Google Play Music <laughs> just did that. It just totally did. Somebody thought of what I thought of would be a really cool thing, but they, they'd never do, and then you click a button or something, and it's doing it. I think that works in their favor when that's, that's an experience. They gave me an experience, yeah. right, something I'm not going to yeah. forget very easily. Like, that is cool, cool factor. This 
it doesn't work in their favor. Like, they don't have a whole army of people going around like the Apple people saying this is connected. You know, hey, man, I got this because this is connected. And Google does too, like you said. Why does Google do that? Like they rely completely on secret experiences or private experiences. To me, it, it seems yeah. like that more than, more than bragging about themselves. It does seem like that. And, um, and you know, Google is a behemoth uh, of a company when you think about it. They, oh, yeah. uh, now it's Alphabet, right? Um, so they don't only have search. They have Calico, which is trying to end death with uh, Ray Kurzweil heading it. Um, they have AI and DeepMind. They have the autonomous uh, car. They, like, they're all over the freaking place, right? And they have a nest in the house, auto, you know, automation, like everything. And I, I think, you know, one arm just doesn't know what the other one does. And they're, they're having so many experiments, and they have the money and the finances to be like, okay, let's experiment and see how that goes. Oh, okay. Well, didn't go as we did. You know, let's trash it. Uh, which is so frustrating sometimes. <laughs> like so frustrating. Yeah. Um, and but they but do it, have it an army a, of people. With that? I was just gonna say it puts a lot of Easter eggs into the world for people to discover yeah. and find. Like I bet you that there's heads of departments that didn't know that a programmer did something really cool today just for somebody to discover. I almost think there are people in Google in the various, I mean, you know, I'm talking more on the software side and the, you know, a search and, and, and those related kinds of products. Or I think people are making a game of it. I think they're putting really cool things out there for people to discover because Apple's already played the game of I'm on TV all day and I'm creating an evangelist crowd of followers by reiterating and stating the obvious over and over. I think Google may be smart in that they just hide Easter eggs everywhere. And that discovery thing is, is at the center of what you're here to talk about today. It's, that's a huge experiential factor, right? That's, that makes really indelible connections. It's actually how we started with Google+. They were like, you know, the first 100 of us and then the first 1,000 of us. And everything was an experiment. I, I clearly remember going like, okay, I'm going to block you just to see what happens when I block you. And so you, you know, get it, like, find out what happens. And then after five minutes, I'm going to unblock you so you can tell me what happened when I blocked you. Did you see anything? Did anything happen? Like we had those conversations. And when Hangouts came out, uh, the first, person, not a Hangouts on air, just a Hangout chat, I was a black man. I was embarrassed to be on camera. And I had, like, you know, those little avatars that move their mouth when you talk. Um, and we all kind of, like, you know, we grew with the program. Uh, so now you have what they call TC, like top contributors, which are people, God bless them, spend their time freely <laughs> just being Google support. And because they love the products. And they, uh, they write articles, they explain, they support people just for the fun of it. They just love doing that. Um, so Google... It's kind of brilliant in that way where they're sending something out only to the early adopters who are super geeks, and they kind of figure stuff out, and they come back to Google and go like, well, this happened, and, uh, and Google improves it and works on it for a year or so. Um, and then they release it to the public, right? And then they learn from how the public interacts with it. It happened with Gmail, with uh, Google Voice, remember, that used to be Grand Central or something? Um, yeah. Right? <laughs> 
So there was like all these, they're coming out with everything in beta and then they're letting their geeks kind of figure it out. And those geeks go out, write books and create shows and create training and all that stuff. And then they open it. I think from a business perspective, it's, it's smart. From a user perspective, it can be annoying <laughs> but yeah. and hurt in some ways. Um, but, you know, it's just a different way of, I think, running, running yourself. And think about their support. Like there's no Google support. There's a... Uh, there's top contributors that help you and there are communities that help you. And if you know those people, then they can jump on and be like, you sure. Let me look at your stuff. But that's again, back to, you know, those people, <laughs> and you have a connection. Yeah. They'll jump in on a, you know, on a hangout with you. They'll look at your stuff um, and they'll help you. And I'm so lucky. You know, I feel very, very lucky to have these guys where I'm like, Hey dude, look what's happening with my AdWords. Uh, you know, or look what's happening with my stuff. And I get immediate support. And I think that if you're that Google guy or if you're that Apple guy or if you're that, you know, ebook guy or Kindle guy or Amazon guy, that's how your list needs to feel with you. I'm stuck and Jack is going to help me with this, right? And of course, Jack is not going to do it for free, but I trust him because with him, I know I can get the results and the outcome that I want. So I don't need all these other gurus out there. I don't need to be subscribed to 20 email lists that don't do anything for me. All I need is... Jack. And I understand that, you know, I'm going to pay him a thousand dollars and I'm going to see 10,000 back. Great. No problem. <laughs> I think that's the mentality. We're not there yet. The mentality is like, well, yeah. let me get someone in $7, $29. Uh, eventually they'll buy. No, they won't. So give me, give me in the last few minutes that we have, let's see, it's not exactly an elevator pitch, but it'll be pretty quick. Uh, conversations to conversions. Um, the system, you, see, you mentioned something earlier about 10 days, and we left that just dangling there like, like we were going to explain <laughs> it later. This is your opportunity to do so and, and tell people what it would mean to, to, to do the content blitz. It sounds like a blitz to me. I don't know why. I know you wouldn't characterize it that way, but to really do a concentrated effort like that in 10 days, how does that work, and where can people go find out more? So first, thank you for letting me explain that. Uh, you can find out more in conversa conversationstoconversions.com. I know it's freaking long, uh, but hopefully it sticks because it makes sense. So the idea is this. It doesn't, you cannot provide an experience in like a one-hour webinar or like an email or something like that. It has to happen over time. And because people are not used to you actually being there and talking to them and providing them an experience, you need the first three days or so just to re-educate them that you're for real. You're actually helping. You're not selling. You're not, you know, you're not there to just take their money. You're there to give them an experience. And then you give them the experience, and then you have enough time for the pitch. Um, it works great with $2,000, $2,500, $2,000, products because people understand the value in continuing to be in touch with you. And it's already integrated with gamification, which means that, during those 10 days, uh, you play games, and you, that's part of the experience, the event and the experience. You play games with your audience, and that accesses their audience. So you're basically tapping into your audience's audience without being spammy or salesy because they're talking about you, the same way they're talking about Apple or other things. Um, the nice part about the whole thing, Jack, is that it's already done. Like The whole side of the tech is already done. Uh, all you have to do is tap into it, change your graphics, upload your content, and you're ready to rock and roll uh, in two, three weeks. So if you have a list of 1,000 people, 5,000 people, 10,000 people, 
What we saw from um, all my beta testers is that you get about $25 per person. So you get 1,000 people on a Hangout, and you sell your product, you can see about uh, $25,000 back in 10 days. Uh, you got 1,000 people on a Hangout, we got from that $250,000 in 10 days. Um, it really depends on how, well you, how good you are at connecting with your audience and delivering value. And I think if you are the person that you want to be, a marketer that actually delivers massive values and not just, you know, um, what do you call it? Uh, not collaborating. Um, what do you call it when you repurpose? When you re, 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 uh, reshare stuff from other people? Oh, uh, curating. The word for that with what? Curating? Yes. If you're not just curating, if you really are the person who can help people, then this works really, really well for you. If you're one of these people who became a guru because you curate other guru stuff, then it's not going to work great for you. And the reason why is because it's live. And if you don't know what you're doing, you're gonna, it's going to show that you don't know what you're doing, which is another great way yeah, of, but, you know, kind of like, yeah, go ahead. But, but your curators, uh, just make sure you understand what you're good at. And if you're a curator and you've disqualified yourself uh, based on what you've got to just said, then maybe you should look at teaching people what you really love, which is curation. <laughs> because there's yeah, a yeah, market yeah, yeah. there for people. Yeah, yeah there's, there, there's yeah. a market for everything, really. I mean, there's a, worth, a worthwhile test, and it's really easy to determine whether people are interested in stuff. They're screaming about it every single day, 24-7 on social media. Remember when we yeah. had to use, like, really crazy tools to do market research? <laughs> and yeah. they were really expensive, too. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's true. Um, it's, it, yeah, it's very true. And so now you don't have to do any of that. Just get your people on a FaceTime with you. Um, the nice thing is that you can do that at scale. Like we said, Hangouts, there's no limit to how many people can come and see you and interact with you. You can syndicate that across the web. So let's say you do your Hangout on your own website, but you share it all over social media. So now you're tapping into um, everyone who might come across your video, everyone who's following you live at the same time, uh, which is unique to Hangouts. You can do that with Facebook Live or GoToWebinar or anything like that. Um, and, you know, time spent on site goes up, interactions goes up, affinity goes up. And actually there's a research that shows that video chat bonding is the same as in-person bonding. So when you do that, you're actually tapping into emotions. You're tapping into the intimacy and self-disclosure, and you get people to connect with you. And when you do that, you're tapping into uh, Robert Cialdini, Caldini's Six Principles of Influence, um, and you influence yeah. them to continue the journey with you. So it's very, it's very simple. We're complicating it. It's like you said at the beginning, let's go back to what we used to do. Talk to people, see if we can help them, and if we can help them, offer them a way to get that help. That's it. Super simple. Yep. It's perfect. From conversations to conversions.com. Nine syllables, well worth typing in and checking out what you fat's got. I really, really appreciate you coming in today. It was really cool just to talk to you again. I mean, it's been way too long, and we shall not let this happen again. Okay, I'm going to pick you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> Great, Thank Gina, you back so to much, you. G-Fat. My pleasure. Thank, thank you, you, guys. Thank you, guys. Awesome. awesome conversation, guys. And I just have to jump in and say, Yvette, I remember when you first came into the DU Bachelor's Program, and 
having a conversation with you about high-ticket products that you had a very different opinion then than you do today. So I'm so glad you've seen the light. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> that is so true. It really is. Anyway. You know, Oprah Winfrey says that um, the one important thing that you need to pay attention to in life is like, you know, life whispers, and you don't want to get to a point where it has to hit you on the head with a break for you to listen. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I love that. Well, we will be back next week, same time, same place, everyone. Have a great week, everybody. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Thank you.